Today on Doomed! Adam H. Johnson, media analyst at FAIR and co-host of Citations Needed, joins the show for a discussion on the media and Russiagate. We break down the Russia interference media frenzy, parsing what we actually know via the FBI, versus the exaggerations from the media, pundits, and perhaps even you. From everyone who replies to you on the internet being a Russian bot to Bernie Sanders, the Russian agent. We tackle it all today on Doomed with Matt Binder. But first... Ladies and gentlemen, please stand for our national anthem. Joining me now on the show is Adam H. Johnson. He's a media analyst at Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, and he's the co-host of the Citations Needed podcast. Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on the show. Now, Adam, I, I feel like before we, uh, we get started, I think I need to ask you that, uh, do you have any sort of financial uh, <laughs> relations with Russia do you have any sort of obligations to uh, the Kremlin? I, I just need to be upfront with you here. You know, I, I have, I have, I have, I have actively not never taken money from a Russian media outlet. I, I, I say that, however, I do want to say that I, I think that those that do are not bad people. Um, you want to be careful not to stigmatize people who are working for media outlets like Russia Today, because a lot of them can do good work. Um, a lot of what they publish is also garbage, but. Um, you know, uh, I've, I have collected checks from, you know, uh, for example, Al Jazeera, which is funded wholly by the Qatari regime, which, um, which, uh, you know, imprisons people for homosexuality and is probably almost likely funding an army on Nusra, Al Qaeda in Syria. So it's not like anyone's pure here. Uh, certainly not me. I'd say this year I probably deposited about two grand in checks from Al Jazeera for miscellaneous free freelance work. So, um, you know, again, I'm I'm still trying to figure out which which governments were, are pure and we're allowed to take money from, and which aren't. That criteria has not been laid out to me. But to answer your question, no, I haven't taken any money from the Russian government um, uh, as a matter of principle. Although, uh, you know, everyone has a price. So Putin, if you're listening, I'm I am definitely I'm a very venal person. So I gotta say, Adam, that's a lot more disclosure than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. I'm, I'm always happy to disclose where my money comes from. I, I think it's important that people do that if they can. I'm, for sure, especially if we're going to talk about government. Uh, I guess, government I guess I should. Funded media, um, you know, because half the goddamn people, if not two thirds of the goddamn people, complaining about Russian influence take money from the, U, the uh, U.S. government or U.S. government-funded uh, think tanks or agencies, um, whether it's USAID or or Voice of America, or um, you know, the dozens of of national security think tanks that take money from Gulf and Emirati and U.S. and uh, U.S. money. 
So they're all fucking hypocrites. Um, uh, again, I, not, I don't even think you need to go to, to state-run sort of media. You could just even well, yeah, even, yeah. even hear like you know mainstream media, cable news, uh, the networks. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm using their own criteria, but obviously you know CNN and, and MSNBC and Comcast and Time Warner have their own you know agendas. Uh, I'm just saying, even if you accept the premise that governments are you know sort of uniquely sinister, I, I have yet to hear a coherent. Uh, criteria of which governments and corporations are good to take money from and which are bad. Um, that that has that has yet to be made clear to me, and I'm and I'm certainly willing to hear hear people out on that one. But so far, it appears to be um, Russia is uniquely evil, and everyone else is, is is fine. Maybe this will start a discussion, Adam. Maybe this will be the moment. Maybe it will. So uh, I guess I guess I should disclose as well that I have been on RT uh, oh, no. a, a few times. Uh oh. Uh oh. Agent. Uh-oh. I, I've never been paid by them. I've just been on – they've yeah. asked me to – Yeah, I was, I was on RT once. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that was 2015. I went on for something. But yeah, um, that was before they were – that was before they were super, super evil. That, that was when they were just moderately evil. And, and I guess I could break some news here. This show is now sponsored by the Internet Research Agency of St. Petersburg. We do podcasts now. That's their new tagline. Uh, yeah, actually, it's the same – it's the St. Petersburg uh, – Petersburg, Florida, though it's actually a knockoff. It's not That's even- right. Yeah, I, I, I missed. Yeah, I missed that little part in the the details when I accepted it. Right. Right. So, so, so let's get into this here. Sure. I wanted you on the show because you are one of my favorite people to follow and to listen to uh, via Twitter and your podcast. Uh, Thank you. Because you are one of my favorite media analysts, and I think. We are at a point in time where everyone is so obsessed with the possibility that the Russians, I'm going to say it like that every time I say the Russians. Go for it, yeah. Have maybe influenced in some way our election and have colluded with Donald Trump, the president of the United States. And I would like to put up up front that I do think that there was some sort of collusion before anyone starts to saying I'm a right winger or I am a Russian agent. I do think there was some sort of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russians. What it was, how far up it goes, I have no idea. I don't think anyone really knows at this point. Uh, right. Was it was it collusion in the sense of the Russians were going to do it anyway? So Trump just uh, sort of took advantage of what they were doing or if there was some sort of actual uh, working agreement where they, you know, strategized together. We don't know. I don't think anyone knows, uh, anyone who can say publicly at least. And I also don't think for sure that it'll ever get all the way up to Donald Trump, regardless of whatever else, whatever he knew, whatever it comes out to say that he knew. Um, right. I just don't think it's going to go up that high. Uh, the guy, what do you think? The guy sitting on his Twitter DMing uh, some sort of uh, internet research agency guy? Come on, people. Uh, so let's right. get to that. Let's start with, um, I guess let's start with these uh, indictments that came out at the beginning of the month, February 16th. That's not even the beginning of the month. That's the middle of the month. But take us from there. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not an expert on the Russia investigation. I'm I'm a I'm a... I'm an expert on bullshit, basically. So I have an underlying knowledge of it, but I'm not. I'm not. Just to be clear, I'm not an expert on it. Um, as far as I understand, um, there was the there was more indictments of Manafort, and um, and and the general the general thrust is that it's it's illegal money. It's a combination of money laundering 
and illegal lobbying activities on behalf of other governments without proper disclosure, um, which is very common, actually. Um, this is kind of like Manafort is sort of uniquely sleazy. I mean, this is someone who worked with, you know, Manafort worked with John McCain. He worked with, if I'm not mistaken, Jack Kemp, some other sort of quote unquote moderate Republicans. The guy's basically a mercenary, um, sort of like what appears to be what's going on with Michael Flynn, because Michael Flynn um, similarly would sort of, but it seemed to be less animated by ideology and more animated by who, who was sort of the highest bidder um, with his work on Turkey. Um, and beyond that, most of the most of the actual indictments we've seen have been have been sort of meta crimes. They've been obstruction or lying, not something that has to do with the underlying investigation itself, um, which is why it's sort of underwhelming. If I had to guess, it would seem totally logical that that some of the more some of the more craven and I think morally um, dubious and frankly legally flagrant people within the Trump um, campaign right. probably probably talk to some Russians. I, I think that's probably likely. Um, uh, you know, in terms of exchanging information, there's the other alternative, which is some of these people that they're so allegedly supposed to have attempted to talk to, who actually weren't Russians. Um, you know. It's it's certainly also possible some of those some of those people are 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 uh, either confidential informants or FBI agents trying to sting the campaign, which is also possible. Um, but it certainly it certainly shows men's rage. It certainly shows intent. Um, I know the Kushner meeting and the Donald Trump Jr. meeting did. So um, you know we know that they lobbied on behalf of Israel um, during the transition, which is something that's borderline illegal and frowned upon. Uh, we know that they, we know that Kushner, whose whose family and him, he himself funds um, radical um, uh, uh, West Bank settler uh, settlements, lobbied to um, lobbied uh, Russia to veto um, the the, tw- the December twenty sixteen condemnation of Israel for settlements, which the Obama administration abstained on. Right, right. Uh, so you know, these, you know these people are generally uh, not above board. They're overtly sleazy. Um, you know, the fish rots from the head. Trump is someone who has made a career off being of off cutting corners and kicking the ball in the fairway and being a total scumbag. So uh, you know, none of this is particularly surprising. Whether or not there was any kind of high level collusion, or I, I mean, we don't know. I'm not even sure what exactly the crime would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the overarching like narrative about russia um we are we are in full-blown moral panic mode i i i think that the degree of influence and the degree of infiltration is is um generally overblown um as as is the case with most of these things um you know i thought the isis threat in 2014 and 2015 was massively overblown uh, domestically um especially uh does that mean i don't think isis exists no um, does that mean exactly. I don't? Yes. I just, no. Uh, the issue is what are we what are we focusing on? What's the proportion proportionate media coverage? Um, you know, just today, uh, over the last four or five days, um, there was a West uh, in West Virginia. There was a teacher strike, um, and MSNBC covered that uh, um, all of two minutes during a throwaway daytime show. Right. Uh, not you know, Hedge, uh, uh, Chris Hayes, um, Rachel Maddow. Lawrence O'Donnell, not a single one of them decided to cover that teacher strike, which was a pretty big story. Um, so, and of course, the, what they did predominantly is cover, you know, Jared Kushner's security clearance in Russia, 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 Russia. So, I think for a lot of progressives and leftists, 
who maybe you know are not who aren't kind of a knee-jerk denialist when it comes to all things Russia, because I definitely think that can be a bit of a problem around the margins. Um, I, I think there's a frustration that that the party's messaging moving forward to 2018, uh, just pure numbers-wise, right? The, the major Democratic messaging apparatus, which is MSNBC, like not even close, right? Um, in a close second, maybe let's say the Washington Post, uh, which kind of sets the tone for MSNBC in many ways, um, is is basically a wall-to-wall uh, Russia story. The Russians. Right. And I and the question is, is that the best messaging? So just last week, and I have a piece coming out of fair about this, just last week the it was revealed that the GOP tax plan in December is actually popular with 51% of Americans up, up from about the mid-20s where it was in December when it first passed. Um, and Democrats have had basically no counter-messaging. In fact, Joe Conley, one of the congressmen um, who who sets the messaging for for for, for uh, Democrats said that they weren't going to run against it and that they were actually going to talk about uh, restoring balance. That was the talking point. So you have a Democratic Party that has basically no message other than Russia, um, and Trump is Trump is corrupt, which is objectively true, of course. But there isn't there's you know they they they've skirted a, a more a sort of bolder and more clear more more uh, you know coherent counter narrative. Uh, the people who blew the election in 2016, Russia or not, your near attendants, near David Brox, are still running the messaging apparatus for the Democratic Party. They haven't been fired. Um, these are people who who blew who who literally set up their organizations in 2003 and 2004, uh, Media Matters and Center for American Progress, respectively. They literally set up for the express purposes of just getting Clinton elected. Originally, it was 2008. Then after Obama came and spoiled their their coordination, they had to delay it to 2016. They blew that. So all these people, these 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 hanger-ons who have their job solely based or primarily based on their on their loyalty to Clinton, are still running the messaging apparatus for the Democratic Party. No one's been punished. No one has been. No one's gotten fired. No one's been discredited, uh, because, and that's one of the reasons, of course, why the Russia um, is behind all that things narrative is so popular is because it gets all these people off the hook it, it, it gets everybody off the hook it gets corporate media off the hook it gets it gets the democratic party uh the, the parasitic democratic party messaging apparatus and and consulting apparatus off the hook it um it basically says that 2016 was stolen and that actually our system is working and our milk-to-centrist politics are working um but you know it was those dastardly russians so it, it's the reason why people love the russia story above all um just you know, regardless of its underlying merits, is that it it offends no center traditional centers of power. The only person in power it bothers is Donald Trump, but the other you know ninety percent of po- power centers in this country, from the FBI, <laughs> CIA, to the NSA, to corporate media, to Democratic Party establishment, to Republican Party establishments, to John McCain, to John Cornyn, to Marco Rubio, to Jeb Bush, every one of these people loves this fucking story. It is it is the gift that keeps giving because it offends no one it is it is the ultimate um inoffensive story it offends basically no one in power doesn't doesn't offend weapons contractors the national security apparatus zero people except for one hot-headed they might be frothing at the mouth over this oh they love it i mean look the 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 dod increased the 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 uh the the, um military budget or the congress increased the dod budget by 80 billion dollars for 2018 it was the largest increase since just after 9/11 it was a, it was an 11% increase um, that by the way for those who don't know is could pay for free college tuition for every college student in this country for for a year um, and we still have 9 billion dollars left 
or to pay off everyone's um, ATM surcharges. And the that $80 billion, the, the primary justification for that was Russia. It was Russia and North Korea. Um, when they had to rationalize why they were spending all this money. Um, you see or, uh, the, uh, weapons contractors' stocks are sky high. It's the most reliable. Defense contractors the most reliable investment sector it is right now, even more so than it was under Obama, and it was very good under Obama. Um, Lockheed Martin stock actually has increased by 100, 100% um, since a year and a half ago. So, look, this is, uh, this is great. Um, it's great for the, the national security apparatus. It's great for weapons makers. It's great for Democrats in Congress who, who, are, who want to do everything to avoid talking about class and class conflict, who want to do everything to talk about things that may upset their donor class. Uh, this does not upset donor classes. This, is, this distracts and refocuses the base. I mean, you have people protesting for Donald Trump to release his tax returns. I mean... This is embarrassing. This is this is just totally embarrassing. These astroturf, um, you know, these Daily Coast, um, you know, sort of partisan, unhinged partisan <laughs> trolls have been completely, co uh, you know, co-opted by this by this Russian narrative because again, it's it's the it's the thing that gets everyone off the hook. And I think people who may think that it may have underlying, you know, it may be an underlying issue because, you know, to the, the extent... The, you know, the weird, one of the weirder things, you know, it's, this is a really small thing, but it, to me, it's so weird that they're so obsessed. These, these, these people, these, these astroturf events and groups, they're, they're so obsessed with Russia, but it's not even like the modern Russia. Like it's all hammer and sickle and, you know, red scare, you know, communist Russia. Well, because they... They want to evoke the imagery that we respond to. They don't right. want to, you know, the, the current imagery around Russia is that it's basically a, a I mean, it was a. Well, I also wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people don't was, even believe, don't even know the difference, honestly. Yeah, it, yeah, they don't, they don't care. And they're, you know, basically based, you know, their, their worldview is primarily based on the Americans on that television show on FX and, um, and, uh, Rock, you know, Rocky Four, right? This is, this is, because uh, that was when it was sexy. That's when it was, that's right. when it was, that's when it was fun. So um, yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 lol, you know, Russia. They're just a bunch of you know greasy slobs, and they're out to get us. And everything, nothing has context, nothing has proportionality. Um, and again, it's just it's a fire hose. It's 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 a it's it's a it's every day. It's bomb, but a bomb, but a bomb, but a bomb every week at the exact same time. The same organizations, uh, CNN, Daily Beast. Washington Post have the exact same leaks from the exact same sectors of the national security state. Um, I mean, I, 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 you know, Seth Ackerman at the Daily Beast may as well just set up his office in the CIA headquarters. I mean, it's just it's the same, it's the same leaks from the same you know congressional Democrats mostly, and um, and the FBI are just they they do this sled this the steady the steady stream of leaks about how sinister and evil Russia is, and it's just you can't avoid it. It's every day there's a new story, yeah. and if you know anything about marketing campaigns and what they look like. Having a repetition of theme on a consistent basis with a consistent drumbeat is an important part of a marketing campaign. So it has all the elements of a marketing campaign. It reeks of a marketing campaign, um, semi-coordinated and otherwise, I think primarily by congressional Democrats. Um, and you know what? Maybe there's some justification to it. You know, there's a lot. Trump is sleazy. Wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt there's some degree of collusion. But again, this is something that has completely sucked up all the oxygen and taken up all the messaging for the Democratic Party that um, – you know, I, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm concerned trolling here a little bit, 
but I don't, I, I don't see it being in the best interest of, of, of any Democrat who's actually concerned with winning actual elections. No, I don't think you're concerned trolling at all because I, I honestly – and I want to reiterate what you said earlier. Uh, you know, neither of us are experts on the actual uh, you know, Russia investigation that's going on. And I don't want to feed into any sort of right-wing or even you know, the, those, the loony leftists who believe like Hillary Clinton murdered Seth Rich types who think that – there's nothing to the Russia stuff at all, and they should, there shouldn't be an investigation. I obviously think there should be this FBI investigation, let it play out, whatever. There's clearly something there. What it is, we don't know. And that's what's bothering me so much, just the yeah, time I mean, spent on this, yeah. this unknown, this the storyline coming out of all this. Uh, I mean, I actually think it's very worrisome. I mean, if I was uh, someone from Russia visiting this country right now, I mean, we're not anywhere where I think anyone's life is in danger. But I mean, when you have someone like uh, Jennifer Palmieri, who was the director of communications for the Hillary Clinton campaign, tweeting out how she just got into a, a gypsy cab with a Russian driver. And if she disappears, I know it's a, she's being, you know, joking or whatever, but it's still like a problematic thing that's happening here. Like, it's very... Uh, I think dangerous where this is where this could head. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's it, it, there is a threat of xenophobia. Um, again, that's not with everyone. I want to be clear, but it's very common. Um, there's a threat of liberal homophobia. You know, Donald Trump making out with with Vladimir Putin, and again, I, this reinforces this idea that it's the it's the plot line that gets everyone off the hook and offends basically no one. And if you know anything about how these things work, you know, it's 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 the, these types of things are like water on cement. They'll, they'll trickle down to their, to their lowest point and their lowest point is the least offensive path, right? It's sort of the thing that will offend the least amount of people. And so, you know, now they're of course turning it around and smearing Bernie Sanders, which was inevitable, something that I and others predicted, um, a year ago. And now you have Fox news, you have, um, Politico going after Bernie Sanders for, you know, this sort of vague thing where he's not, condemning Russians enough, right? There's sort of this moving goalpost of condemnation that he's right. supposed to meet. Um, if, if Sanders, if Sanders runs in 2020, it's definitely going to be used against him. You have, you, right. you see the, 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 the corollary moral panic over fake news, which is a far, far more bogus moral panic. Um, and let's that get, is, let's get into that for that, a second. That has, that has, sorry, let me finish this one point. Yeah, sure. That has cor- uh, coordinated, uh, correlated with, um, or rather resulted in Google, Facebook and others, uh, basically creating a two-tiered media system where you have sanctioned and unsanctioned media where unsanctioned media, the sort of grimy, unsanctioned, uh, un- not blue checkmark media um, is being, is being uh, delisted or being deprioritized. And so you see at sites like Alternate, Consortium News, um, 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 Real News Network, uh, Truth Out, Truth Dig, that their, that their site's traffic has gone down precipitously. Uh, range between 20 and 50%, depending who you ask. I, I know for a fact this is true at Alternate. I've seen it. Um, this was the logical conclusion of the fake news panic, and it's, and it's animating um, and corollary uh, Russia narrative. So, you know, this was going to be turned on the left. Uh, these things always are, uh, just as, you know, the rush to, to have more gun control will probably almost certainly lead to more uh, strict laws that will affect disproportionately black people in inner cities. Um, you know, these types of things always, the shit always rolls downhill. Um, and so, you know, people who, who could foresee this and see that it was serving, you know, corporate media was serving, you know, William Crystal and David Frum and these sort of, you know, all the sort of architects of Iraq that they were all foaming at the mouth for this new cold war. 
you know, that was the logical conclusion of it. And some right. people will say, oh, well, you know, it, maybe we can spin it as a left issue. Um, you know, <laughs> David Cloen tried this, you know, he's, he's a friend of mine. I like the guy, but he's, he's always like, oh, this is going to be like a left wing issue. <laughs> um, it was never going it was never going to be a left wing issue. It was it's not a thing uh, for two reasons. Number one, leftism in general doesn't really accept the premise of of, of nation states and the sanctity of their bourgeois democracies. Right. Um, that's not that's just not like a that's just not like a, a core axiom of leftism, as it were. Now, okay, general progressive politics, you know, fair enough, I guess maybe uh, if you accept the premise of bourgeois elections, then like yeah, like sure. Every country has a right to you know to defend its elections and and make sure that they're open and honest. Uh, that's fine. It's just not a very sexy like leftist talking point, right? right? We're not talking about Standing Rock. We're not talking about prison abolition. We're not talking about um, you know the 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 rounding up and abuse of sex workers. We're not talking about uh, you know the assault on vulnerable communities. We're talking about protecting a system which we all sort of openly already acknowledge is corrupt. So right. it. I, I don't know how this works in the left's favor. I've never quite figured that out. Um, and even if you, even if you're part of the sort of more left wing of the Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, cohort, I, 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 this can only hurt him. This can only hurt right. anyone who's not, who's not just to the, you know, just to the left of of, of center like a Hillary Clinton. So, I, you know, if, if there's a way around it, I don't know. But for, but so far the the collateral damage has disproportionately affected affected the left. And now, you know, They'll they'll harm it, you know an info wars here and there, but mostly that's not really the aim of this. The aim of this is to is 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 to delegitimize alternative media to create a two tiered media flow on social media, which is of course anyone who knows anything about left wing media or any media ninety five percent of your traffic goes through Facebook. Uh, the goal is to make people paranoid about interfacing with unsanctioned parties on social media, so we're all worried everyone's a Russian bot. It's for leftists to not trust each other and to assume everyone else is a leftist or uh, everyone else is a Russian agent. Uh, it's to sow paranoia. It's to delegitimize things like anti-fracking, Black Lives Matter, all of which have been called, quote, un, you know, unwittingly part of a Russian psyop effort. Right. So, you know, that's that's the end result. You can take you can you, you can how, you know how we got there could have been a total accident. Could have been somewhat coordinated. Like my guess is probably both. Right. And I want to get into each of those things that you brought up a little bit more, uh, get into them a little bit more each. Uh, but uh, one thing that you said that, that came to my mind uh, was when you brought up fake news and how, um, you know, there's different, uh, you know, alternative media companies uh, who are being given like a, a, a soft ban or an outright ban sometimes, you know, their, their content not showing up in feeds or being labeled fake news yep. uh, simply because they're not the mainstream. They're an alternative media outlet, uh, progressive journalists, and what have you. But, you know, you I remember you talking about one specific thing that was going on where someone, uh, some organization, some like neoliberal organization, I can't remember, has some sort of like uh, listing of like 60 or I can't remember the number, uh, Russia bot accounts or whatever, but they won't tell anyone it, who they're it, classifying it, yeah, as. This is, this, is, this is Hamilton 68. This is not even neoliberal. This is neoconservative. This was started by, by William Crystal, who, who, yep. who, who was the ideological architect of the war in Iraq. Um, you know, great upstanding guy. Uh, also, the, the person who most promoted and, and basically put Sarah Palin on on the ticket in 2008. Also a member uh, of the hashtag resistance. Right. And so, I mean, his, his, his fawning over Sarah Palin, but his moral outrage over Russia goes to show you that it has nothing to do with racism or populism or, or, or homophobia or demagoguery or any of these other kind of 
false reasons why these people hate Trump, why neocons hate Trump. They hate Trump for the same reason. Well, okay. They hate Trump for the same reason they love Sarah Palin, which is that she was militantly anti-Russia. The only difference between a conservative and a never-Trump conservative is that never-Trump conservatives hate Russia slightly more than they hate poor people. That's the only difference. Right. And so these, you know, these ghouls who gave us Iraq, who completely turned you know, the, uh, uh, the Levant and, and Iraq into a fucking hellscape, um, are now turning around and saying, oh, well, you know, um, we actually, and they talk about authoritarianism. David Frum writes a 10,000-word piece in The Atlantic on, on authoritarianism, and all these fucking dumbass liberals share it going, oh, well, you know, this is a really important meditation on authoritarianism. You know, this is someone who thinks marijuana should be illegal. This is someone who was sharing Rebel TV links, you know, 30 months ago, which is a white supremacist website in Canada, uh, talking about how women wearing hijabs um, were a threat to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the culture of Canada. Uh, they're, David they're, they're the guys who brought us uh, it, people like Lauren Southern. Yeah, d d yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and David, David Frum, you know, again, who writes 10,000 words on authoritarianism, has no word on whether or not it's authoritarian to bomb and, and, and destroy an entire country of a million people. He has no word on whether or not it's authoritarian what Bush did after 9-11, uh, you know, which included offshore uh, penal colonies with a huge network of torture that David Frum routinely defended and upheld. So... You know, the, the worst elements are being elevated by this narrative. The worst elements. And these, and these you know, these, these liberals will say, okay, it's actually, it's, we need to make alliances with them. This is, you know, the Trump is such an existential threat that it's important that we align with these people. And whenever they say that, I say, okay, great. So if, if Richard Spencer turned on Donald Trump because of his posture in Syria, would you then welcome Richard Spencer into the, into the resistance? Oh, well, no, of course we wouldn't. Okay, so there's some limits to who gets invited to this fucking resistance party. Who gets legitimized? Who gets boosted? Who gets promoted? Um, so we've already established, and, and it comes down to how the media portrays these people. That's how they choose. Well, Richard Spencer has been portrayed a little bit differently in the media than uh, yeah. Bill Crystal. Well, so the, 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 the reason why Bill Crystal and David Frum are allowed in the resistance is simple: is because liberals, predominantly white liberals, don't really care about dead Arabs. That's, oh, it's that simple. They don't care about Arabs. It's the same reason why liberal Zionists are accepted into the resistance because they don't care about Arabs. The dead Arabs and dead and dead brown people just simply don't matter. And so even though these are people who were, you know, who authored the greatest war crime or at least top three war crimes of the 21st century um, are completely they, they go through the washer and they come out pristine on the other end as 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 principled conservatives or other some other such nonsense uh, when really they're a, they're mad. A, they weren't invited to the party and B, they're mad because um, they just happen to hate Russia more than they hate poor people and hate hate Muslims. So you know th this is this is this is the kind of thing that the Russian narrative holds up. Again, it gets everybody who was discredited, both in the Clinton campaign and the Bush administration, back in power. And and anyone and the, and the insurgent populism coming from the left is constantly gaslit and told that um, everyone they know is actually a Russian psyop and Bernie Sanders' online support was actually um, artificial and was propped up by 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 you know a couple hundred people in St. Petersburg. Oh, like you have, you know, you have people, uh, you know, former FBI or CIA guys who are now uh, talking heads. People like, you know, uh, Evan McMullen out there. Like, who are they focusing oh, yeah. on in this whole oh, Russia Evan thing? Their yeah. their most favorite person to focus on isn't Donald Trump. They're all like, oh, look at this! It's Bernie Sanders' name. Oh yeah, Ooh, no. interesting. And Evan McMullen supported, you know, the uh, Trump's appointment of McMaster and 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 Mattis. I mean, th these people they praise Trump all the time. David Trump praises Donald Trump's. Uh, immigration policies all the time because they're his immigration policies. Right. Because uh, right. David Frum is a fucking abhorrent racist. 
you know you have uh, you know you have people yeah. like you know Adam Schiff, the Democrat Adam Schiff, who yeah. just recently. I listen. I think obviously there needs to be a top Democrat who's taking care of this whole Russia investigation stuff. Fine, that's him. In fact, I think good, it's him. Let's put it up more of this type of stuff on him. So hopefully the other guys can finally wake up and stop talking about it and just let this one guy deal with it. But whatever. So you have Adam Schiff out there tweeting, you know, the other day, how touting that he's taking zero dollars from the NRA. Yet you have his like, he, he had a fundraiser with like Raytheon. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, so, let, yeah, the, the, the hypocrisy over the NRA and weapons and the way we the way people are promoted by weapons contractors. Um, and I'm bringing that up because you brought up how it's okay. You know, if it's happening here, it's bad. But if yeah. it's happening, no, here, I, I wrote a piece in uh, in in these times about it. Um, um, the the total lack of lack of of, cor- of of consistency or even remotely consistency when we talk about violence and the exploitation of violence. Um, you had John Brennan hand wringing about. How we, you know, former uh, former head of the CIA, John uh, John Brennan, um, hand wringing about how you know we we have too many guns and how we need to regulate guns. This is a guy who was the number one champion, according to Reuters, for Obama to run guns to Syria. You have Clinton um, and Obama doing the same thing, talking about how important it is to have gun control. Clinton's State Department was the, probably the I would say the biggest advocate of running weapons to Libya. All of which, according to the New York, um, the, the majority of which, according to the New York Times, quote, fell into the hands of jihadists. Um, you know, the U.S. is the number one weapons exporter in the world. Uh, we have the number one weapons uh, sales. If when you, you know, when you don't just do guns, but you include bombs, missiles, F- F-22s, F-35s, so forth. Um, you know, we sell Israel three three and a half billion dollars of weapons a year, used to subjugate the four and a half million Palestinians who are armed with um, slingshots and glorified M80. Uh, firecrackers they call they call Hamas rockets um, so you know uh, the US is the largest exporter of violence in the world it's not even close um, they have been since since you know probably the early 20th century and when we talk about you know disarming people uh, domestically I think that's great I'm all for that I just wish we could have a holistic approach to it so um, you know we can't talk about violence and gun violence without talking about the u.s government which is the largest exporter of violence and this is the connection that others have made as well but the 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 moral preening on social media falls a little flat when people like adam schiff turn around and and are huge you know take huge checks from companies like um you know raytheon and and northrop redlin and lockheed martin whose sole purpose is to build weapons like the nra uh, and, and their gun manufacturing patrons their sole purpose is to find the most efficient manner of turning brown people into pink mist so I don't know I don't know where they get off with all the with all the with all the moral peacocking, um, and 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 maybe we should we should approach this in a more holistic way. Now you have um, a resolution today and yesterday to end the U.S. support of of the Saudi bombing in Yemen, which the U.S. supports with logistical and political support. Saudi Arabia has slaughtered probably about twenty thousand Yemeni civilians, predominantly Afro uh, Yemenis, who are the poorest of the poor. Um, and so we'll see who signs that, and we'll compare that with, with a lot of this, a lot of this NRA posturing from 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 liberal Democrats. Right. So let's let's move to basically this Internet Research Agency, because okay. I think this uh, their role in the well, actually, before we get to that, there's something that's been always bugging me, and it bugs me so much, and I think this is the perfect time to talk about it right before we get into the Internet Research Agency. What bothers me so much is when we talk about Russia influence on whatever, the elections, 
it's always presented as election hacking. Right. When there is no evidence whatsoever that our elections were hacked in any way. No votes were changed. People, American citizens who are eligible to vote, walked into that booth that November day in 2016. They pulled the lever or filled out the little bubble and put it through the machine. And they chose Donald J. Trump. I mean, the fact that the media continues to call this election hacking is super dangerous because obviously if an outside foreign entity literally changed the results of the election to make someone win, we would have a pretty big problem, I'd say. Yeah, um, this is a story. So they, they keep rehashing the story. There's much one yesterday about Russians hacking into voting, uh, local voting rolls. Um, and then in paragraph seven, I believe, I may have in paragraph eight, they say officials want to stress that no vote, to- no vote rolls, and no vote totals were changed. Well, okay. Um, so you no have one these- runs with that in the headline. Yeah, so you have these really sort of sexy headlines that are very sensationalist and designed to create a, this, again to stoke the specter of Russian meddling. Um, and there was a, obviously that story a few months back about how the DHS had uncovered um, all this, all, you know, all, the, all this Russian hacking into different state totals, and then the states debunked it and then the, the AP had to retract the story. So they've kind of done a version of this several times. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously if actual votes are hacked, that's, that's a meaningful escalation that would, you know, that, that would require some, you know, measure of, I don't know, uh, something, right. That, that would make right. sense to me. Um, but that's not what happened. And that, that keeps getting, but if you look at polls traditionally, I mean, again and again, I think something like 60, 65% of Democrats think that Russia physically changed vote totals. Because that's how the media keeps presenting it. Um, you know, because if I hear Russian hacking, I assume that actual votes were changed. Yes. Um, when, of course, to this day, we still have zero evidence that happened. And I don't think anyone in the government's claiming that happened um, at all. So, right. uh, you know, when they say Russian hacking, what, election hacking, what they mean is the hacking of the DNC's computers and the, re- and the revealing of information. But when I hear election hacking, I assume vote totals are changed. So, yeah, yeah this, is, this is the general rule, which is the issue with the Russian thing in general, which is that – Every story only goes in one direction. Right. Uh, they're only corrected or, or walked back or retracted in one direction. You never hear right. someone saying, we got it wrong. The story is actually worse for Russia. It's always, always the other way around. And when you see that pattern time and time and time and time again over the last year and a half, you, that you can tell that there's a institutional, you know, whatever that sort of ideological dark matter is. There's, there's, a, there's something for, you know, pushing this narrative um, in, in one direction and one direction only. Right. Uh, and the only, and some people say, oh, what about that New York Times article that came out the week before the election saying FBI found no evidence of Russian um, uh, hacking of, or wait, it was, it was something about yeah, Russian meddling in something or whatever. And I was like, okay, so there's like one article. But the other, you know, and even that was still technically correct. Right. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, and that that was consistent with uh, the Obama administration's efforts to downplay the Russian issue in the lead up to the election, um, because a they may not have actually believed much, thought it was much at all, and b I think that they um, they thought it would delegitimize the results, and c right. I think they all thought Clinton was going to win. Right. So um, you know, again, if if you see if you see everything go in one direction, you sort of start to wonder what that what that dark matter is, and and in and what the forces are behind that, and the main force, of course, again, is that Russia is the is the quote unquote scandal that that restores legitimacy to those in power, from corporate media to the neocon burnouts 
um, from the Bush administration all the way to uh, the massively powerful and significant um, industry that built around Clinton that was ba- that was based less on ideology and less on left wing um, ideology and more on their ability to um, to raise money and to be sycophants to Hillary Clinton. Right. And I'm glad I'm glad you brought up a little bit ago the uh, the DNC emails and the Podesta emails both were hacked because a I think people conflate what is in these indictments with that without maybe even realizing. Uh, for example, the Internet Research Agency, as far as we know, with uh, the FBI's indictment, had nothing to do with that hack. In fact, as far as I've seen, there still is no consensus of who was behind the hacking of the DNC emails and the Podesta emails. I would also like to say that even if it was Russia uh, behind the DNC and Podesta emails, well, yes, those to me would be the problematic area in terms of uh, them doing that. And I would say those emails did influence some people's thoughts of uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh, you know, of course they did. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, Russia influence probably changed votes. You know, people say, oh, well, no one you know, eh, probably did. You know, I don't, we don't know how much, but like, you know, the, again, these are things the U.S. does all the time in other countries. Well, actually, uh, I, I think with the if they're the ones behind the Podesta and uh, uh, DNC hacks, which we don't know officially yet, really, uh, I do think that that did have a big role, and I'm sure in that sense it did. But in terms, I think of, it definitely, but, it, it, it definitely, it definitely, I think suppressed votes of leftists who would otherwise vote for her and people who were. I, I think it definitely would. The email hacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree with you there. But I'm saying that's also not what's in these indictments, though, with the social media shit posting. Yeah, no, this has got nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah this is, exactly. This, I just want to make that clear because I think a lot yeah, of people no, like because totally. recently I've been arguing about the because what's the focus right now in the media as of today's date, February 28th, 2018. It's almost like everyone's forgotten about the DNC and Podesta emails because you don't hear anyone bringing them up right now. It's completely focused on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all those social media companies' roles in the election with the Internet Research Agency, this Russian organization of of low-level social media posters, uh, and their role in somehow changing people's minds on who to vote for. And I think when it comes to, again, the DNC and Podesta email hacks would still not be election hacking. But there is definitely something there in terms of if the Russians... Well, that, yeah, so that, that's, where the, that's where the rubber hits the road, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the DNC hacking is a, is a meaningful escalation. You know, Russia running a bunch of bots. Again, the U.S. does that. The DOD has a $100 million, has a $100 million program called Operation Earnest Voice, which was revealed in 2011 that runs uh, so, social media, sock puppets in Farsi, Arabic, I mean, name it, Russian... So this is this is something Israel does, the UK does, the UK does, the US does it. Um, totally, uh, you know, totally normal routine stuff. I mean, there's a shitload of bots on social media. The main difference between American and Russian bots is Russia's bad at it, so you can tell which ones are there. <laughs> They're terrible uh, at it. The US is actually quite good at it. If you if you if if, if we were to, if we were to go by the H. B. Gary hacks that were leaked by Anonymous in 2010 and 2011, um, they showed a degree of sophistication that was pretty pretty amazing, and you can read about that. Um, you can read about that um, in, in in some of the t- 2010 uh, leaks that came out. Uh, they have they have pretty good. Uh, they have you know photo fake photo mockups, uh, Facebook pages. They're they're pretty sophisticated. The FBI runs quite a bit of persona management um, uh, accounts. We know that because they use them to entrap these these sort of alleged ISIS plots. Uh, typically, people with mental health problems who live with their parents somewhere in a basement. Um, they you know they 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 built up these whole online personas, uh, typically with women. 
they say that they're um, you know nurses in El Nusra or in ISIS, and they need to come to Syria and marry them, and then they go to the airport, and lo and behold, there's ten FBI agents there arresting them, and they go to jail for 25 years. Um, the FBI runs a network of those. So, I mean, this is totally um, normal stuff. I, I the, the the only escalation I would think is the hacking of the DNC emails, um, which you know I'm sure I'm sure the CIA and the NSA do stuff like that all the time, but we I don't you know we can't necessarily point to it. Um, so, you know, that, that's really where the actual, that's where the, really the actual attack really would be such that it was right. Right. Cause that really did. I mean, I truly believe that that almost certainly took, had a part in costing Clinton the election, if not was one of the major deciding factors. I, if, if it, 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 I would be a total hypocrite if I was to say that it didn't, because I, I strongly believe that even slight you know needle moving in media narratives does have an effect on democracy oh of course the media focused on those emails both sets of those emails for for weeks if not months without a doubt that that had some sort of effect but it, it, I, just, I, it just it, it couldn't have had no effect of course my issue though i just want to reiterate again because people I are going to be parsing this whole conversation yeah. we have you know how it is right now with the whole russian narrative you have like someone like adrian chen who's like uh, covered the internet research agency well before all this and basically right. had to put out a post saying he doesn't want to talk about it anymore because say exactly what he thinks and people say he's uh you know uh covering for the right the right or covering for the actual russians or whatever like yeah. it's ridiculous that someone who actually went on the inside and has like the details of this company and can give us a real uh, anchor as to what yeah. they can actually Adrian, do doesn't even want to talk about it because it's it, it's Adrian, so toxic right now. You know, two things about that. Adrian still has a little gawker left in him. Um, gawker, for all of its faults, was and was was great because it was it, it, they never really bullshitted you. And um, I think I think Adrian sort of sees which way the winds are blowing and, and what the forces are trying to use his his research and his reporting to, to suit their sinister ends and is basically I think trying to call it straight. Um, and I think that takes a lot of courage for someone in his position. But also, you know, he's at the New Yorker; he's made it. Right. Um, right. You can't go any further than the New Yorker. The New Yorker is a place you retire; it's not a place you go from. Right. Um, so he he is he has the luxury of saying telling everyone to go fuck themselves because he's a staff writer for the New Yorker. I, you know, it's not a coincidence that the people who've made their names off this, this, this Russia narrative, are almost all um, people that are on the that are coming up, that are people who aren't established, that are people who are making their brand on it. You know, whereas for the most part, you're sort of old establishment left types. You know, I don't know, you know, Glenn Greenwald or or uh, you know Chris Hedges or or Cy Hirsch or you know people who sort of are establishment figures themselves. So you're kind of you know, Naomi Klein or your or your uh, Noam Chomsky um, or Cornell West, for example, they either don't talk about it or completely poo-poo it. Um, and I think that people who are who consider themselves left should ask white people who, you know, three four years ago were considered um, not perfect, but generally like sort of moral arbiters or 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 or, or compasses of what the left should care about, have largely met this with a yawn. And I would even say to some extent that's true for Bernie Sanders. Um, Bernie Sanders' heart has never really been in this. When he talks about it, it's clearly perfunctory. It's written by someone else. It's not something he prioritizes. And I think there's a there's a reason for that. I think people who are genuinely concerned with pushing back against um, the forces of the right, um, the forces of war, the forces of inequality, uh, know that this whole thing can only either be used against you is going to be is going to be used against you at worst or at best just be a complete fucking waste of time. And because he had his honeymoon there. 
And because and because he's a Soviet agent. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Him and Jeremy Corbyn were on the same task force. <laughs> I, I really do want to get more into this Bernie, the, the what's the attack on Bernie Sanders, and I, I think we'll we'll end with that. But uh, before we do that, let's finally get to what the Internet Research Agency actually did, and let's really try to cool down tempers of anyone who's listening to this who has got steam coming out of their ears over. Uh, a Twitter account, Woke Blacks, tweeting that Hillary Clinton may not, might not be the best candidate for Black Lives Matter. How dared they do this? But uh, there's no way any black American in this country would believe that. Absolutely not. That would never be a thought in their mind. So let's get to the Internet Research Agency. So there, there, there's this... Woke Blacks. Yeah, Woke Blacks. <laughs> woke Blacks. I can't get over that. That's the funniest shit I've ever heard. Woke Blacks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was fooled by Woke Blacks when I saw them start every uh, tweet of theirs with Privyet. Yeah, Woke Blacks. I mean, that's pretty cynical. Uh, but yeah, sorry. I mean, listen. Stoking, stoking racial tensions is my favorite trope, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. You, you have the Internet Research Agency, who is this, uh, as, let me quote Adrian Chen here, because he really is, the, the he was... On these guys before anyone. This is from one of his tweets. It's 90 people with a shaky grasp of English and a rudimentary understanding of U.S. politics shitposting on Facebook. And from what I understand, uh, before the election, in the lead up to the election, they were spending no more than like 50K a month on Facebook, which would be the main driver of trying to get this message out. So. What it basically comes down to is you have a bunch of these uh, social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and they're seeing a trending hashtag or maybe a hashtag that's popular in the conservative uh, Twitter sphere or Facebook sphere or blogosphere, whatever the words are to to say that world. And so they jump aboard it and try to to have that hashtag or that trend, uh, I guess, give it longer legs. And, you know, there's a, there, in the indictment, let me pull up the indictment here, actually. Uh, in the in- indictment, here's some of the uh, excerpts from sort of like the Facebook advertising or the Twitter tweets or whatever. Uh, some things like, uh, uh, join our hashtag Hillary Clinton for prison 2016. Uh, Trump is our only hope for a better future. Vote Republican, vote Trump, and support the Second Amendment. Uh, here's here's my favorite. Hillary Clinton doesn't deserve the black vote, which to me is sort of the funniest one because <laughs> if you claim that that's some sort of Russian propaganda, then, I mean, <laughs> the writer of The New Jim Crow, <laughs> Michelle Alexander, literally wrote an article for The Nation. Yeah. And the title of the article is Why Hillary Clinton Doesn't Deserve the Black Vote. So, I mean, yeah. it's not uh, like they're uh, spreading some sort of made-up uh, propaganda. They're basically taking yeah, but, the I mean, you But generally, of course, you know, amplifying a message, even if it's, you know, because it, it, it's, still, it's, it's still in the aggregate probably has some net effect. Um, I, I mean, mean I, it, I really... When, when, when the CIA tries to influence elections or tries to spur or help, quote-unquote, uprisings or revolutions in other countries, like... They never make up grievances out of whole cloth. Like there's always some underlying truth to it, but they amplify it, fund it, and, may, and center it in a way that otherwise would not exist. I'm not saying this is like that at all. This is like a fraction of a fraction of a ver- version of that. 
Right. But generally, like most most you know most stoking or, or trying to influence other countries that the CIA or USAID or NS or other organizations do is typically almost always based on real grievances. Right. 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 But see, anyway, just to push back slightly there, like I definitely think that like it's it should because really what it shows is it shows intent. Right. That's the whole point to all this. Like I generally think the Russians are very fucking competent at this shit, um, and it's it's relatively small if you just look at the raw numbers of how much money is spent. It's a fraction of what was spent in the election. Right. But it's, to others, it shows intent. It shows a sort of willingness to sort of go further than they went before. And that, that you know, I don't know. I guess there's some merit to that. But I don't, again, I just don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what they plan on doing other than just, you know, fucking hand-wringing for the next five years. Right. I mean, for me, though, I, I, I'm looking at this in terms of just how it possibly could have influenced someone's opinion. And, you know, they, they couple this with, you know, there, there's that account, I think it was Woke Blacks or Blacktivist or whatever, telling people to vote for Jill Stein. I can't get over that. And, you know, my question is, like, who are they targeting here? And, and again, I'm not saying this is right. Obviously, it's yeah, a problem so- that I want to get that out there again, too. Russia should not, Russian influenced uh, operatives cannot go, should not be able to go out there and say Hillary Clinton doesn't deserve the black vote and convince American citizens not to, to vote in the election or to vote for, not to vote for Hillary Clinton if they, you know, and change their mind if they were ever going to. I am not saying that at all. And again, I got to be careful here because I'm going to get people who tell me that I am saying that. No, you're way too paranoid, man. Just fuck them, whatever. Just do your show. Of course. We, yeah, we actually, on the, on the very first, no, second episode of our podcast, we were like, we're not going to do that really tedious thing that where you have to condemn American enemies when you talk about them, that every, like, Demsock thinks they have to do because it's fucking tedious. Right. And it's, it's, it's deeply liberating. Just, just go do your thing, man. But anyway, go ahead. So, thank you. Thank you for having my back here. So, you know, I do think that's a problem, obviously. But if we're going to spend all this time on this, I want to know what the result is. I want to know how much time should we be how much time should we be spending time on this stuff? Uh, I don't want to downplay it if it had some huge effect, but from what I'm seeing, from my experience, from my understanding of how this all works, and I would say I probably have a better understanding than the average person about how social media advertising works. I just don't see it, and I mean, case in point, we saw right on CNN uh, just recently. Where what was the name of that woman? Uh, they they basically ambushed this uh, this oh, yeah, that Trump was supporter. Really, that was really 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 fucking cynical. Yeah, Florine Goldfarb. It's she total lives in, nobody. She lives in Florida, complete nobody, and she ran a Trump supporter Facebook page. Right. And apparently, at some point during the election season, she shared a Facebook event. That was like planning for a Trump, uh, a Trump's a pro-Trump rally, like a physical, offline, real world, in real life IRL Trump rally, and she shared an event invite for that to her. I don't know how many people follow her or her page, but she shared it. So CNN's Drew Griffin goes up to her home with a mic, and yeah. starts saying, you know, how does it feel to know that you like were working? Well, that's for an the- important part of any propaganda campaign. Um, you have to you have to personalize it, right? Yeah, but you have to put a face on it. You have to make it real. Otherwise, people it's it's too abstract, right? So, so, so CNN, right. which is effect you know just effectively just a um, a state media outlet. Um, if you ever watch Barbara Starr, she she could she literally could be the Defense Department press secretary, and there would be no difference in her reporting. Um, 
they you know they have to they have to go and internalize it for people so it's it's not abstract it's it's um it's what Cass Sussman calls the Goldstein effect like enemies need to have a face and right now there isn't there isn't really a face to these to these mysterious Russians in St. Petersburg so they have to go get those faces they have to they, they have to show the physical places people were influenced so you can internalize it right New York Times did this with their there there was this rally where both sides were supported by Russia now really what it was is that it was it was something that was going to happen anyway that Russia boosted and promoted because yeah, right, right, whatever the right. reasons. But it's, there's no sense that, you know, every, all dissent now is from Ferguson to Occupy, all dissent is a Russian psyop now. Right. All, they, all right they, they, people who are feeding into this Russia influence stuff, it's almost like they can't understand for some reason. They just can't get it through their head that these things were happening and Russia just decided to jump on this already uh, uh, active movement. And these, and and they just decided, you know, maybe we could give it longer legs or stoke it a little bit longer. They Look, I mean, yeah, Russia. They Russia think that Russia actually put these things together, and that people wouldn't have these thoughts or beliefs if it wasn't for the Russians. Yeah, Russia walked up to a burning building and and got one of those hand fans. You you have a church and just kind of blew. You know, they fanned it a little bit, but look, it was already burning. These things were already issues. Um, and again, analogy, for, for those for those who don't want to address these issues, for those who don't want to address racist policing and inequality and the destruction of our environment, um, the catch-all of Russian psyops and influence of left spaces is a fucking gift, and it's the gift that keeps giving, and it's the gift that will continue to give. Um, and now they're using it again. They're using it to smear Sanders and his supporters and say that his his support online was astroturfed by Russia. Um, it's all again. It's all very predictable. <laughs> right. All, all this was something I said was going to happen a year ago, and uh, not just me, but the dozens of others said the exact same thing. This is the this is the logical endpoint of this. I mean, I do think I do think there is something to be gained out of having a sit down discussion with people who shared or promoted things from Russian accounts, basically just to see how I guess you know the American people who did interact with this stuff if a they were able to realize or tell or b point out to them like i think there is something no, there it, but the way cnn bad. did it it wasn't because, that at all it wasn't dude, if i if i share okay but giving mean, you if you really want to open this door and go down that road i mean if i share a study from from the atlantic council the atlantic council sounds like some benign group of people it's funded pr- primarily by weapons contractors in gulf emirati countries in the u.s state department where's my disclosure there where's my disclosure right um for you know it, CSIS, which is funded by the top five donors are weapons contractors. The other major donors are the government of the United States and, and UAE and, and, and other, you know, dictatorships. So, uh, you know, do I, I get no disclosure there. Right. The only difference between Western and, and uh, Western and non-Western or American and non-American influence ops is that they, the U.S. is just more sophisticated at it. Yeah. It's the only difference. They're better at laundering their bullshit through these, you know, think tanks. They hire five or six mercenary economists. Or, or Middle East experts that so will recite the script. And again, I don't know the difference between spreading out corruption over a bunch of corrupt governments and weapons makers and Bank of America and Chase, and Chase Bank versus some, you know, just going and directly depositing a check from the Russian government. I don't know the difference. And if you want to talk about, you know, the way governments specifically influence media, um, Again, the Russians are are fucking amateur hour. The, the example right. I use, so it's sort of like most my problem. I mean, just look with, who they look who they were targeting. It's, it's, look who my problem, um, it's, it's my problem with like Wolf of Wall Street, right? That you had a movie that was sort of a pop examination of Wall Street, right? 
but the guy they were going after in that movie is small potatoes compared to Goldman Sachs and and, and and Lehman Brothers and the other. So like you have it's we all, we we go after these small potatoes and we don't miss the broader the broader Easy issue. Which is, if, you, for them. if you want to talk about online psyops, if you want to talk about persona management technology, if you want to talk about uh, the the programs that we have documented from the United States and Israel and the in the UK, the UK has an entire army division dedicated to online psyops. Then let's talk about it. Let's have an honest conversation about it. But we never talk about anyone but Russia. When I when I when I confronted Craig Silverman on Twitter, I said, Craig, you know, you you constantly talk about Russian propaganda online. That's great. You know, that's important stuff to document. But I'm curious, why have you never written about the United States, Israel, or UK, who we know for a fact does the same thing? We have plenty of reports from 2010, 2011 that document these things. And he said, Oh, well, that's not really what I write about, but I'm interested in it. And I said, well, are you going to write about it? And he goes, maybe. And then four months later, he hasn't written about it. He's never going to write about <laughs> right, it. He's never, of course. Ever, ever, ever write about it. Because, again, the issue is not an honest conversation about online manipulation or psychological war. The issue is how do we make every bad thing ever look like it's uniquely Russian? And there's an entire industry dedicated to making things that every fucking country does look like only things Russia does. And when you, when you note this, right, because you know, we, 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 we have a moral intuition to want consistency. It's like hardwired into our fucking brains. And when someone says, well, what about the PSYOPs or the online persona stuff that the CIA does or the U.S.? Oh, what, what aboutism? This is the new thought-terminating word that these it's fucking... the new nothing burger. Yeah, the, these zombie liberals just throw out, what aboutism? Because they, they heard it on NPR, they heard it on, on John Oliver, and suddenly they're, oh, I, guys, this is called what aboutism. And it's like, what if I was to tell you that what aboutism is not describing a propaganda technique, but is in and of itself a propaganda technique that's meant to shut down any conversation that wants to approach these issues in a holistic or non-jingoistic manner? And, you know, that's that's exactly what you're seeing. We, we, we've, we've weaponized it. all these fucking zombie liberals who, again, what aboutism, authoritarianism, dictator, kills journalists. We just, these 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 bromides, these these words just choose the meaning and not the other way around. Well, the U.S. knows how to knows how to talk who to who to target and how to do it. Like my 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 purpose of bringing up that woman that CNN interviewed was because uh, my point here is this woman ran a Trump supporter Facebook page. Who who's who, like what mind is the Russians changing by having her share that event? Clearly, she's going to vote for Donald Trump. There is no sort of moving the needle there with her that the Russians did. It was already there. They didn't do shit for her. Like. Like I don't get what CNN was expecting her to say. I don't like they're so. That's that's really my point with the social media stuff. It's just well, so yeah, badly the, done. The goal, they're the goal targeting the, the, the people the who goal. are seeing the anti-Clinton stuff are already Trump supporters. Uh, yeah, and there are some studies that have sort of confirmed that that most of the quote-unquote fake news is actually just read by people who already agree with it, and that there's not a much there's not much needle moving. I would suspect that in the aggregate there probably is. I don't think it's probably a lot. But you know these things trickle down. Like they have, they have, they have, they have a kind of non-linear effect that you can't really quantify. Right. Yeah. Of but course. I, like I, I think don't... anyone who's saying anyone who's saying it had no effect, and I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm yeah, saying. I know. Uh, and, and anyone who says that it had a lot of effect, I'm saying there is no proof of how much effect it had. Yeah. And mean, I'm, look, I'm just going by how I know these social media marketing campaigns work, and from the way they were doing it, I can tell you. It was not very successful. It would not be considered like a, a case study from like some sort of successful like media agency on how to run a social media marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that the, the the yeah the U.S. obviously doesn't. I don't think they spend a hundred million dollars a year on a similar program because they they you know because they, it doesn't have an effect. Um, 
I, you know, I don't think the U.S. spends $700 million a year on Voice of America because it has no effect. I mean, obviously, information war is super important. Um, I think the issue is one of sophistication and degree. And I, and I think broadly exactly. what we've seen from Russia is not very sophisticated and actually not that significant. I mean, again, the amount of money spent and the amount of – I had one, tw- one tweet dunking on – I forget who it was, some like random liberal or some random right-winger – that got more total impressions than the total amount of impressions Russia was supposed to get on Twitter. I mean, on one tweet, <laughs> right. it was like eight hundred thousand people saw this, you know, Russian propaganda. It's like that's nothing. That's 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 fucking Wyoming. It doesn't. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not that significant, right? Um, and so, and again, you know, in terms of how social media classifies impressions, that's not even like people who consumed it. it could be people who just like it popped up in their feed and they scrolled yeah. right past it. Like, and it's, it probably is the majority of that social media marketing. Uh, metrics are all fucking snake oil anyway, so I have no idea what they even mean. Right. I mean, like when 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 people tout, you know, I have this many views on on Facebook. Yeah, because right. Facebook just throws that stuff in people's feed and auto plays it. They could scroll right by it, never watch for a second. But there's your views right there. Right. So you know, I don't know. It's so bizarre to me. It really is that that you know, like the idea that sharing the, this stuff, like how CNN worded it, or how. You know, it's like collaborating with the Russians as if we don't just like retweet or share posts every day. That is just like just a benign. Oh, that's a funny thing. Like that's just benign. Like no, not even thinking about it. it. Like it doesn't even like it doesn't even matter. Like I, I think I think I think in the interest of intellectual dishonesty or intellectual honesty, what I would say is I would I, I think any Bernie supporter, like huge Bernie stan, if they if they could imagine a scenario where the Russians did this. If Sanders had won the nomination and Russians had done the exact same thing to Bernie Sanders um, to support Trump, or even even still had they done it in support of Clinton for whatever reason during the primary, of course that wouldn't happen, but we'll say that. I think you have to answer honestly how you would react to that. Um, and would would we be as dismissive? And that, that's something I ask myself a lot. I don't know the answer to that. Um, right. But I think I think for those who are, who, who are sort of categorically dismissive, I think that's a an interesting thought experiment to think about. Um, and then that, and then maybe you can sort of begin to inter- internalize the way the reasons why so many Clinton partisans have, have wildly overreacted to this. Right. Um, because again, it's, it's such a, tra- it was also like a deeply traumatic thing. I mean, the election was very traumatic to a lot of people, um, a lot of vulnerable communities, frankly, a lot of women who had sort of for better or for worse had put their, put their, you know, put, had a huge investment in Clinton winning. Right. Um, and that's, that that's, Trauma, I think, has resulted in a response that has, in my opinion, gotten completely out of control. And to me, that's why I'm so passionate about this specific thing, downplaying people's overplaying of the Russia uh, involvement. Because when it comes down to it, people aren't going to get to the the crux of the issue here. They're not going to get down to, all right, how did Trump win the election? It's right. because, okay, electoral strategy-wise, Hillary avoided these places or messed up with these communities, and Trump took advantage of these communities. And then you look at policy issues. Uh, Hillary wasn't strong on this, this, and this issue. Trump was able to play on people's fears of this, this, and this, and promoted these issues, and that's how he won. And we're just going to ignore that completely because the simple thing to do is to take the easy way out, say Hillary Clinton really should have won and that she lost because she was actually facing Donald Trump, uh, the entire GOP, Bernie Sanders and the Bernie bros. And on top of all of that, 
the nefarious Russians. And she did nothing wrong, and we just got to retry again next time with the same exact strategy, but just focus on the Russians so we could stop them from getting involved, and that'll change everything. Like, that, like, Donald yeah. Trump did not he win gets, because of the Russians. Off the hook. It gets everyone off the hook. And anything that gets everyone in power off the hook we should, should, I think, by definition, be met with skepticism. I, I even hate that term. I hate to use it. it. To me, it's just funny to say, like, the Russians. Like, as if, like, like everyone in Russia was, like, behind this. You want to, like, say Putin or, like, the Kremlin oh, or yeah. whatever. But, like, the fact that it's the Russians. As if there aren't, like... That, that every hack that ever happens in China and Russia, every single hack is directed by the U.S. government. And every single hack that's done in the United States is done by Anonymous and is a nebulous uh, uh, edgelord techno-libertarian confederacy that has no relationship to the U.S. national security state at all. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that somehow worked out pretty well for us. <laughs> yes. So we, 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 you touched on this a number of times, but I really do because a lot of – hope I do know actually that there are some uh, Clintonites who listen to this show. They've reached out to me and let me know. And I do want to uh, – to get to some of these things they like to to prop up as reasons to uh, as proof that Bernie Sanders has colluded with the Russians. It's some of them are really funny. Some of them are really funny, but it, it's it's fun to go through and I think I thought we could we could go through some of them now. Yeah. Sure. Um for example, they like to bring up I brought it up before that he had a honeymoon in Russia. I mean, okay. <laughs> if I if I'm aligned with every government I ever visited, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm also a, I'm also I, I'm also I've a Hezbollah been, sleeper cell. Outside of the U.S., I've only been to Peru, so I guess I'm pretty safe there, actually. Right. <laughs> um, actually, it's possible that uh, I worked with uh, Fujimori. Who knows? Maybe yeah, I they, helped. <laughs> it was all you. <laughs> and then um, you got uh, his. Okay, this one really bothers me because there is an actual, really good explanation. One that actually puts he him, voted against Russian sanctions. Yes, and oh, they this, love that one. They and love that one. They love it. And the funny thing is, these are the people. These these are the people who during the primary, poo pooed on Bernie Sanders for criticizing Obama like a single time. Bernie Sanders dared to criticize Obama once, and like obviously he did more than that, but. They, you know, just the fact that Clinton was so close to Obama and Bernie had the audacity to criticize Obama's policies a few times, yet his reasoning for voting against these Russian sanctions and putting aside our views, obviously, as leftists of sanctions to begin with, his completely normal to even what should be normal to Democrats, the Democratic base, is that these Russian sanctions were tied to sanctions on Iran and that would have undermined Obama's Iran yeah, deal. Yeah, and Obama's funny. Iran deal is actually one thing that I think most people, Democrat, well, maybe probably not Democrats yeah. at all, no. Also, but the leftists actually like. But yes, yes, that, that is the, that is the, that, it's a completely logical explanation. And they, and by the way, they know this. They're, they're fucking sleazebags. They know this. They know this. I don't they're know. Long. I think, I mean, some of them do, obviously. The ones who perpetuate the lie, who have some sort of yeah. authority and power do. But I'd say there's enough people out there who just really don't know because they only consume media by those people in power who know yeah. but won't tell. Yep. And it's a really, really fucking sleazy thing to do. But they keep doing it. I've seen this tweet now a million times. And then uh, and to, to, to bring into that, by too. By you know, for what it's worth, those, the, 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 the sanctions against Iran that he did not want to support took place less than 24 hours after, uh, after ISIS um, shot up Iranian, the Iranian parliament. Um, and there was a there was a there was also a consideration how deeply insensitive would be to level sanctions against a country after their parliament was shot up by 
uh, a terrorist organization that both right. countries are at least nominally fighting. So just a little point of context there. And the funny thing is those those Iran sanctions just stoke this this battle that the Trump administration and conservatives clearly want with Iran. I mean, yep. that's that's what they want more than anything, I think. I mean, North Korea is the thing that gets all the attention, but I their big battle yeah. is without a doubt Iran. I mean, yeah, why do you think why do you think you know David Frum and, Will, and, and Evan McMullen and Bill Crystal are so excited for this narrative. It, it's, it pushes everyone to the right on Iran, which is why they, by the way, why they lumped the sanctions together in the first place. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, when Clinton was asked in the debates who, who she was most proud to have as an enemy, she named the Iranians. Right. Uh, she's, she's lobbying for the same people that are, that are currently uh, lurking in the, uh, in, the, in the cesspool of the Trump administration. So this is, you know, these same forces want the same war. And the Russian, you know, Russia's biggest ally in the Middle East is Iran, obviously. Iran has Bala and Syria. And so uh, the Russia is the Russia issue is also a proxy battle when it comes to Syria and it comes to Iran and when it comes to, quote unquote, um, stopping Iranian aggression or the, or the Shia crescent. And it, the, the Russia and Iran narrative is a huge justification for the U.S. keeping troops in East Syria and Northeast Syria permanently. So. I mean, all these things are obviously connected, and the more you can stoke panic with Russia and demagogue Russia and sanction Russia, the more you can support these proxy wars with Russia, which is what they're doing. Right. And to bring into the the most recent, those Russia sanctions, the Clinton heads love to bring up the uh, Magnitsky Act. Of uh, that, that's the uh, the sanctions that were put on uh, Russian officials who apparently were responsible for the death of uh, this Russian tax accountant Sergei Magnitsky in two thousand nine. Um, yep. But if if you look into this, and I remember covering this on the majority report back in, what was it, probably 2011, 2012, uh, the Obama administration was actually against this, these sanctions. Yeah. It's it's amazing that people don't know this or don't care to just like to, as you said, those who do know this like to um, yeah, leave it's this a out. Weird in retrospect, because they, the Obama administration did so many evil things and so much shady shit. I mean, they, they obviously harmed and funded... Uh, sectarian groups in, in Syria. They they supported Saudi Arabia's bombing of Yemen. They they um, um, so obviously had a massive drone drone campaign that killed hundreds of people, hundreds of children as well. Um, but one of the things about Obama administration is actually, in relative terms, and I stress the word relative, it's relatively liberal. It's a relatively left wing. Um, people that I'm familiar with, like that, when it came to things like Iran, that and even. Uh, sometimes even when it came to Netanyahu that that John Kerry specifically was somewhat moderate and that um, when it came to Russia they were somewhat moderate they, I mean there's those there's, there's clothes there's those there's that leaked recording of John Kerry talking to the Syrian opposition where he basically echoes the Russian line on Syria um, which is that the reason why they entered the war was to stop Daesh um, in from going to Damascus which was not the which is not the official line at all uh, but but John Kerry clearly always had a soft spot um, was never uh, for Russia and Iran. It was never really a uh, you know a, a neoconservative or anyone who even. The, it, it's also deeply ironic that in retrospect, the most liberal candidate in two thousand four wasn't Howard Dean. It was it's actually John Kerry because Howard Dean is a paid lobbyist for the uh, MBK cult in Iran and talk, constantly talks about regime change in Iran. Um, just a little historical irony there. Um, so yeah, uh, you know John Kerry uh, was not beating the war drums. Um, Obama always took a softer line than the Clinton wing did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the biggest lobbying force behind the bombing of Libya was, was the Clinton State Department. 
not to sort of absolve Obama of his guilt. He ultimately supported it, but he, he was not the instigator of that. Right. Uh, and there's there, I have no doubt that had, had Clinton been secretary of state in 2013, that they would have bombed, they would have tried to overthrow, throw Assad. Right. Teen after the, after the uh, chemical attacks. And, and, well, uh, he's, he's the one who uh, he was criticized for it, but I actually thought it was a strong move on his part that they called his bluff on the red line and he didn't, he didn't, you know, act on it. Uh, yeah. Um, but again, the red line line was used um, was used when Clinton was in the State Department. Right. Um, Clinton was was a, was a hawkish force within that administration. Again, not to blame her for everything he did, he, he ultimately made the decision. But it's clear there was a there was a thread within that administration that was um, very was far more hawkish than than, than Kerry ended up being. Right. So, uh, Adam, I think. Oh wait, one really quick thing, because I think it actually goes into the whole how how dangerous this is that we're. We're losing the the thread, the real the real thread here, and we're focusing so much on Russia. The idea that Al Franken should still be in office because a bunch of those Russian bots, who and I I can't believe I use that term Russian, but I hate using it so much because it's become this thing where if anyone tweets at you something you disagree with, you automatically just call them a Russian bot. That's the discourse now. It's great. Yeah. It's all very healthy. Very healthy. So, so the idea that Al Franken, who we have photographic evidence of doing something inappropriate with this woman who, who said that she, he did these inappropriate things to her, yeah. that Al Franken was taken down by the Russians and people like uh, Gillibrand were duped. They're yeah, we're, we're duped. Unwittingly duped is my new favorite. They that, they, that, if they knew, that if they knew when looking at that picture of Al Franken's hand hovering over a woman who is sleeping's breast, uh, if, if she knew that Russians were on that hashtag too, she would have had a little bit of a different, uh, uh, I guess, uh, definition of what a sexual assault or at the very least inappropriateness, uh, what, the, what the definition of that is. It's amazing. Yeah, they, they, well, they had to retract that story. It turns out it was complete horseshit, even by Newsweek standards, which I think at this point is just run by a christian cult oh yeah yeah how many how many people saw that retraction really you know like oh no one saw the retraction but a lot of people saw the story for sure because there is there is a a war and i have my criticisms of uh gillibrand too i think there's plenty of things in fact the same people who were uh putting her up as uh the next big democratic name are the same people who attack bernie's record on guns which i think is a fair criticism but she has the same record because she used to be a pretty conservative uh, rep of a pretty conservative area in New York. She did. She used to be a big gun person. Yeah. But that aside, they're now uh, – the, the resistance is now attacking her for uh, – and saying that she's, she's dead to them <laughs> for, uh, for have, taking a stand over Al Franken. It's because there was Russians on the hashtag. Amazing to me. I just can't get over it. Right. It's just stunning. I mean, I don't even know if there's anything more to be said about that. It's just, I just had to just like get it out of my system. But again, that was another, that was another story that was retracted um, in one direction. In right. Russia, it's never the other direction. I've never once seen it the other direction. Right. So, so Adam, I want to thank you so much. This has all been, this was like therapy for me, this episode, because this stuff has just been building inside me. And I just can't, oh, ready to get it. I want to scream, you know, like Jesus. Happy, I'm here for you, man. I'm, I'm here for you. Rest, you. rest on my shoulder. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I feel like I should be like sending you my my uh, my health insurance information, and you should at least be getting paid out of this or something, you know? Two hundred fifty dollars. All right, Adam H. Johnson. 
He's a media analyst at Fairness and and Accuracy in Reporting, excuse me, and the co-host of the great podcast, Citations Needed. With with Nima Shirazi and Florence Burrow-Adams, my incomparable co-host and uh, producer who, who I'm plugging. Right, yeah. and why don't you plug the uh, the best way to the, the URL or the best way your Patreon, whatever? Feel free. Right. Go it's ahead. With an S, make sure you put the S in there. There's some imposters out there. Uh, with Adam Johnson and Nima Shirazi, and we are on iTunes and Patreon and Facebook and Twitter, and um, we have the hottest content. We have the content you crave. I don't know what else to say. I think that's perfect because I'm craving some content right now, and I think I'm going to go consume some of it from citations needed. All right, Adam. Comrade Adam, take care, man. Thanks a lot. You have a good day. So I think a good way to look at all this is, here we go. Go to the WWE Network and pull up SummerSlam 2005. Fast forward to the Shawn Michaels-Hulk Hogan match. Watch as the heartbreak kid, HBK, Shawn Michaels, the showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania, oversells every single week maneuver in 50, Hulk Hogan must be 50, at least 50 years old at that point. He oversells every single one of Hogan's maneuvers in his arsenal. <laughs> Specifically, I remember one where Hogan bashes HBK's head into the turnbuckle and Shawn Michaels pretty much jumps, spins, and does a front flip. Amazing. But basically, that's how much the Russian interference we know of so far is being exaggerated. Especially the social media stuff in terms of the hundred or so people uh, just posting on trending hashtags and, and promoting pro-Trump Facebook events to Trump supporters. Well, I hope this show helped at least some of you see where I'm coming from. And for the rest of you, I'm sure I'll be seeing you in my menchies. And if you're one of those people, you should still go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, as well as a written review. <laughs> Come on, guys. You didn't think uh, I, I was going to forget to remind you all to leave an iTunes review just because I didn't put it up at the top of the show this time. Anyway, leave one, okay? Leave a review. I wouldn't be harping on this so much if it really didn't make a difference, but it does. I can see the show maneuvering on the iTunes charts every time a five-star review comes in. And that's how people find the show. All right. See you all next time on Doomed. Doomed.